Hi there and welcome to Working Class Revolution. This is the show that's going to be exploring political topics as they particularly relate to the working class. Um, And on this first episode, um, I'm going to be exploring Brexit, the dreaded Brexit that has been dominating our airwaves and our media for so long now. But one of the first things I'd like to discuss today is the recent fallout over the EU election results, which some remnants of the left appear to be surprised about, still not learning an integral lesson about why exactly people have turned in their droves to the Brexit party. Now, as some prominent people on the left have been pointing out for several months now, the working class feel betrayed and looked down upon by elements of the very political movement that should be advocating for them. George Galloway has been talking about this for quite some time now. Now, Galloway, as many of you will be aware, has himself decided to give his vote to the Brexit party recently. He did make this announcement on Twitter. Now, while I don't agree with that personally, because I don't believe it's right to lend your back in to somebody like Nigel Farage, who is a proven racist and does have form for expressing um, race-baiting views. Um, What I do actually think is that Galloway was spot on in his political predictions that the Brexit party would absolutely decimate both Labour and quite clearly, obviously, the Tories, um, which is probably less of a surprise to many um, of you, um, but but Galloway has been saying this for months, and George Galloway um, is a longtime left wing activist, um, longtime left wing politician. Um, he is advocating for Brexit, um, or Lexit, as uh, many on the left um, who want to leave the European Union call it, um, because um, the EU is a capitalist trading block. And while we're within that capitalist trading block, which um, takes advantage of exploitative laws like the Postal Workers Directive, which actually enable capitalist profiteers to extract cheap labour from immigrant workers posted to um, locations that are not their own countries, meaning employers can actually um, pay them at a minimum wage, whereas if they were actually, you know, um, working within their own countries, they would have to pay them by the standards of that country's uh, living wage. Um, It's a capitalist dream. There are many laws like this that the EU um, actually enables capitalist profiteers to thrive um, from, but also on top of that, on top of these uh, exploitative capitalist laws, uh, Brexit is also about national sovereignty. And yes, the dreaded word nationalism has become, you know, a word which many um, use distastefully. Um, in and of its essence, nationalism, as in being proud of your country, being proud of, you know, um, your your national identity, um, there is nothing wrong with this in its essence. And I think um, this is where there's a disconnect between the middle class and the working class um, on this point. There's nothing wrong in essence, for example, in being a proud Brit and being proud that Jaguar, the Jaguar, for example, um, E-Type was one of the um, most beautiful cars ever made and we made it, but there's nothing wrong with being proud of that. But but when nationalism, you know, has been co-opted 
by, um, you know, racial, um, supremacists or, uh, you know, racists who, who try and divide us all by, by essentially trying to indulge in topics such as, uh, racial phrenology, uh, whereby they might posture that someone of a certain ethnicity is more or less intelligent. This is, this is this sort of a racist supremacist ideology. This is completely anti and egalitarian or communistic, uh, worldview. This should be absolutely laughed at, ridiculed, kicked out, trashed, shown the door. And, and this is exactly what, you know, um, has happened to people like, say, uh, little Tommy Robinson, who, uh, you know, what was it? 2.2% support, absolutely dismal. He was shown the door in Manchester. I think it was Manchester. The good people of Manchester absolutely kicked him to the curb. So, you know, um, it's good to see people like that not getting a foot in. Um, I'm disappointed that someone like Farage is allowed to posture um, as a sort of man of the people. He was an ex-banker. He worked in banking for years. He's the son of a hedge fund manager. He went to an exclusive college, Dulwich College. He is not working class, how he's managed to con people into thinking he is, is quite shocking. But what Nigel Farage is doing, and he is doing it um, quite successfully, is advocating for Brexit and we should be advocating for Brexit on the left there is no way the racists should be allowed to co-opt the left uh, the Lexit, the left wing exit no way should they be allowed to co-opt Brexit we should be you know having seats at the table and I watched a fascinating interview with uh, Claire Fox she was being interviewed by um, on Tisky Sour, I think, and uh, Aaron Bastani was in the interview, and I was actually shocked because, you know, um, Claire Fox is actually quite a... Um She's quite an eloquent um, and informed person when it comes to politics. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I agree with her politics because I don't necessarily think um, her, all of her standpoints are necessarily um, what I would consider to be coming from my sort of um, Leninist, Marxist standpoint. Um, I know she was in the Revolutionary Communist Party, but they had slightly different historical, um, historically anyway, slightly different viewpoints um, to um, most classic Marxist-Leninists. But that being said, you know, a lot of what Claire Fox was saying on this um, interview was um, absolutely spot on when it comes to the left's arrogance. Um, at ignoring the result of the 2016 referendum and the reaction of many working class voters. And let's be honest, there's a big divide between Remain and Leave. Many, um, I believe, um, C2 and uh, D3 economic group voters um, who are working class um, voted to leave. And many middle class people voted remain. I mean, when you look at people like sort of um, who come from the Blairite sort of um, cabal, they were all very, very pro-Remain. They've been making a big noise about Remain. Blair, Alistair Campbell, they all want to remain. Why do they want to remain? Because they've all done deals with the capitalist profiteers who are scratching their backs. The EU, um, the people that run the EU, when you look at Juncker, when you look at his cronies, they all sit round tables drinking wine and basically laughing. Laughing at people who want to leave the EU, laughing at Britain, laughing at Britain for Brexit. It's all a big joke to them. Because, you know, to them... It's all just games. They're collecting their expenses checks. They don't really care about how any of this affects people on the ground. And you know what? Staying in the EU 
and allowing the EU to have sovereignty over our laws, over our, you know, trade, capping our fisheries, capping our milk quotas. I mean, this has a very real knock-on effect on the average working woman or man, okay? This is real. This is real life. This is something people like Junker are never going to really understand because what they do, they have their little rarefied jobs and they push paper around and they can just play God with everyone else's lives. But, but the working class tangibly experiences these kind of economic disenfranchisements on a whole different level. And this is what the middle class doesn't get either. To them, it can be ideological. Okay, ideology is really a luxury of the middle class. Now, it's not to say that working class people can't become ideological, can't become politically motivated through ideology. Indeed, that's what the communist revolution, you know, um, the October revolution of 1914 was in fact spurred by people became um there was disenfranchisement but then when that connected with um political ideology it motivated revolution so it's not the working class cannot be ideological or aren't it's just very often our practical day-to-day lives you know and the the effort it takes to survive the the morass of the financial pressure um, and and various other pressures that are thrown our way, uh, we can't always basically afford to be um, ideological. Sometimes we have to go with what benefits, you know, our survival. And this is, again, why some people are so... Um, why they're able to actually ignore Farage's racism, because he is racist, um, and, and basically get behind the Brexit party because it's not really about Farage at this stage. And and as we see with Tommy Robinson, when somebody is, you know, um, taking, say, a more direct, um, obvious uh, approach um, when it comes to um, the, the race baiting issues and uh, Farage has been quite sort of slippery with it. I know there was that poster which was sort of uh, dog whistling um, but Farage has been quite um, deceitful with his racism. You kind of have to dig and you have to dig into Nigel Farage's history to understand and to see that actually this, this man is probably ideologically rooted and oriented in a certain direction. We Robinson, he's been a much more blatant about it, you know, um, and I think people reject that explicitly. And I think there's very few people that are prepared to back that. But when it comes to Farage, uh, I think, you know, it's not that everyone's naive. It's not that everyone is is really believing that Nigel Farage is necessarily not racist, but it's not really necessarily either about that at this point. It's about the fact that people want Brexit to be done with. And, you know, Nigel Farage explicitly ran this EU election on a ticket of it being about Brexit. The Brexit party doesn't at the moment have any policies. They ran solely on, you know, um, the the the, the decision to leave the EU and that's what they were um, propagating to the electorate, that's what they were you know, trying to convey that, that we must leave the EU at all costs, there was no other policies I don't think Farage even talked much about immigration during this whole you know, campaign for this EU election and bearing in mind they've only been formed as a party for six weeks you know, he didn't really have a lot of time um, either, so I don't think it's I don't think it's so much naivety but at the same time I don't think it's this kind of 
massive swell suddenly you know of working class people becoming racist it's not as simplistic as either of those things and i think it's very arrogant as well to look down on people and say they don't know what they're voting for or they don't know why they're voting that way um it's it's neither you know it's none of those three things it's people want to leave the eu it tangibly you know um does not um do anything for the working man or woman and um, to be honest when you when you actually um examine the effect the eu has on our economy um i don't think as well um there is anything wrong with wanting to um have a strong national identity and i definitely think that that is a component of brexit i think to sneer at that and to say you know people that want to be proud of being British why do you, why would you be want to be proud of being British I think that's again very arrogant perhaps you know um if you are um orientated in a certain economic um economically enfranchised position yeah great you know you can be a bit more globalist with your outlook you can sort of feel more closer to you know someone in france or germany or italy perhaps because you know maybe you have the luxury to be able to afford international travel a lot of working class people may never even be able to afford to leave these shores don't you think that would make you much more you know um, nationally oriented for a start um but there's nothing wrong there isn't anything wrong with being a patriot with being a true patriot as in being proud of where you live and your country um that has nothing to do with the race okay the idea that that should have or could have anything to do with race comes from you know this um attempted co-option of nationalism of patriotism really which is what it is by by insidious groups like the BMP who really have no place in our society and are in fact oxygen thieves but this has nothing to do with being proud of your country everybody who lives in a country you know um as a long-term citizen should be proud of where they live um and so i think that's an element of brexit definitely and i don't necessarily think that should be looked down upon or sneered at i'm not a globalist and i don't necessarily see the great thing about you know um globalism globalism is capitalism on steroids it's a license you know while we while we live in a mostly capitalist economy it's only a few countries um that have opted out of that we have venezuela currently under attack by the trump administration um we have i mean even china china people think china's communist but china are not truly communist not even economically they are a sort of um state capitalist country if you notice how you know um look at their trade agreements look at the way they trade it's a state capitalism they're not really a communist country so um people get that wrong a lot they are more communist in some ways in their orientation but they are you know and um, because there is more state control and there is more state involvement but um they are not um a purely communist uh country by any means there are countries that are you know um in the capitalist system but there are few of those and at the moment you know if you look at the global stage it's a very capitalist um trading block uh, the, the globalist trading block so why would you want to be a globalist if you're interested in um progressive social reform there's nothing progressive about capitalism for all the people that say and and you know um people like to sort of bang on about stalinism and how many people stalin killed and and 
Capitalism is responsible for more deaths. Capitalism and its incessant warmongering. Capitalism and its incessant exploitation. Billions upon billions of people have died, you know, as, as a, as a side uh, effect or casualty of capitalist effect over the fucking centuries. Far more than communists have ever killed. And, and Stalin, and for all his uh, crimes, for all his um, brutality, and he was brutal, and there should be no whitewashing of this, has, could not possibly have managed to kill as many people as capitalism has managed to. You know, um, over all the years that we've had um, a capitalist um, system in, in all the uh, Western countries, in the Western Hemisphere. So, I mean, to make the comparison that, you know, because we had a regime in Soviet Russia, which took a very paternalistic, militaristic bent, which became very paranoid and insular, um, which began to persecute any political enemy of the state, and then somehow compare that with the mass warmongering, mass exploitation, laying waste to most of the planet that capitalist regimes have done for so many years and continue to do, I don't think it's a very fair comparison. I think it's also important to remember that um, if you read the works of Marx and if you actually read them, as well as other, you know, um, communist writers such as Engels, such as Lenin himself, um, you will see that true communism, um, the idea, the ideological communism has never been properly enacted. So, you know, um, again, um, socialism as well, which is not communism, it's um, could be considered a step along, you know, the road to communism, but it's not communism, of course, um, which is just where you have more social provision, more um, state provision, state help, if you will, for people that are, you know, um, financially disenfranchised to alleviate their suffering, to provide, you know, um, for the people, for your citizens. Um, we already have many socialist uh, measures in many of these of our Western countries. We enjoy many of um, the socialist provisions um, in many countries. They are considered national treasures. The NHS is a socialist provision. Um, so, I mean, to argue that, you know, um, socialism is a negative thing, it's actually a very positive thing. So, I mean, um, I think when it comes to both communism and socialism, um, when people say there's uh, negatives in that, um, they are somehow negative, they have somehow had a negative impact on the world, they tend to reference countries that have either, you know, not implemented these concepts properly or that have, you know, um, gone down a negative route, perhaps for another reason. I mean, again, with the Russians and again, for all Stalin's flaws, personal flaws, um, uh, there was also much interference from the West who were hell-bent to see the communist project fail. There was the war debt that was never paid back to Russia, which was another reason they became so insular and protectionist. Um, and another reason why their economy took such a big hit. So I think you have to consider all these factors. When you, when you look at a country like Venezuela, it's artificially inflated oil prices. I mean, oil has been a major part of the Venezuelan economy. But why is the Venezuelan economy failing? 
is it that socialism is a failed project or is it that outside influences, including Saudi Arabia and America and Israel, have artificially inflated the oil prices so indeed that that country's economy would fail? I mean, if you dig deep, the answer is, you know, um, apparent and it isn't that socialism doesn't work if you, you know, care to take an unbiased uh, evaluation of the situation. So when it comes to um, economics um, and, you know, you're talking about what's best for your citizens, especially what's best for the working class, a more socialist orientated company, uh, country is definitely the way you want to be um, going. That's not going to be possible in the EU. I've spoken to a lot of Remainers who seem to think Remainer reform is the best option. Reforming the EU in its current incarnation is going to be nigh impossible. Okay, that is not possible. The only way we can properly enact true socialist economic reform, and it's not just about economics, um, there's a lot more to a country, to a um, quality of life than just economics, but... Economics is certainly has a tangible impact on everyone's day-to-day lives. You're not going to be able to uh, implement a truly socialist reform um, if we don't leave the biggest, one of the biggest capitalist trading blocks in existence. The EU is firmly capitalist in its orientation. Anyone thinking they can reform capitalism, um, reform any kind of capitalist system, has got their head in the clouds. So either clearly you're so insulated in your middle class existence that you just don't care, and for you it's much more ideological. It's more a question of who you can lay a racist and feel superior to and who you can't. I mean, again, we look at some of these movements like um, these ideological movements, like, um, for example, they have um, good motivations at their heart, like Extinction Rebellion, okay? It's a noble orientation to want to make sure your environment is a sustainable one, right? But some of the things that environmental justice movements advocate for, do you have any idea what they will do to the average working man or woman? They will absolutely decimate their livelihoods. There is absolutely no consideration given to this. Why, as well, is the Yellow Vest movement being continually ignored? What, there's all this, you know, um, brouhaha about Extinction Rebellion, but the Yellow Vests, they're just ignored. Why? Why are they ignored? Because they are a mostly working class movement, because not all their members are saying and doing all the right things all of the time. But that is a movement that has real revolutionary power to change the actual status quo. And the left should have a piece of it. And I know that, you know, there are communists in the Yellow Vest movement now. But, you know, and there are socialists in the Yellow Vest movement now, but there needs to be a bigger left wing, you know, um, involvement in the Yellow Vest movement, because this is where working class people begin to feel abandoned. Okay, this is the working class. This is their voice railing against economic injustice and, you know, um, capitalist oppression. Where's the left? We cannot abandon these people. The the people that actually stand up, like Claire Fox, like George Galloway, and say, I'm not going to abandon 
London, the very people that, you know, the whole reason why I became a left-wing politician. I actually do admire them um, for that, for that, even as I don't understand why or how they could back someone like Farage. I actually admire them for, for being there, for being representative, for being a representative figure for the working class from the left, because we shouldn't leave this up to the right. We, the, the right don't care about the working class, okay? But they'll use that. They'll use them. They'll use their anger and they'll try and, you know... Um, co-opt a movement of people who are rightfully disenfranchised for their own ends but it's it's the left that should be there advocating for these people and not thumbing our nose and sneering at these people and it just makes me sick that there's so much middle class involvement at the moment in left-wing movements that should be led by the working class it's absolutely sickening that the working class is not the heartbeat of the left and this is entirely what is wrong with the left there's a lot right with the left but there's also a lot wrong with the left and in order to reclaim the left and reorientate it in the direction it needs to be uh, going in we need to reconnect the working class, not just reconnect, but we need to re-establish the working class in a pivotal central position where actually we're listening, we're led by working class people, not middle class people, okay? It's not that they're bad people, it's not that they should be, you know, shouldn't have a right to exist, but, but you know, they are not going to lead the revolution, okay? They've got no stake in that. And if you want revolution, if you want real change, real, a real egalitarian revolution, okay, that makes things genuinely fairer in every sense for everyone, okay, it needs to be led by the working class and their voices need to be the loudest. <coughs> so that's what I wanted to talk about in this first episode and I'm going to be talking about more topics um, in this vein and going into more detail in further episodes. But um for now, this is the first podcast from Working Class Revolution. And, you know, um, if you've got any comments or if you've got any suggestions, then please leave me a comment and I'll try and address it um, in the next episode. OK, thank you for listening.